Good morning, everybody. How's it going? All right. So I'm going to fake a lot of energy because I was at camp this week and didn't sleep too much. So I'm totally faking it. This is all just uh, totally faking because I didn't sleep nearly enough. But thank Jesus for coffee. Come on, somebody. Yes. You know, we call that coffee Pentecostal liquor. Come on. We just get crazy with it. Yeah. My wife and I love coffee. We actually... Some people bring their pet everywhere, you know, somebody like a little chihuahua or whatever. How do you say that? Chihuahua. Chihuahua. Sounds like something at Taco Bell. You guys had the new chihuahua at Taco Bell? It's amazing. <laughs> Incredible. They're just making stuff up at Taco Bell, huh? A chalupa? I guarantee you that's not something you can get in Mexico City. Guaranteed. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But anyways, people carrying around their chihuahua. How do you say it? <laughs> chihuahua. It sounds fake, guys. It sounds like something from Star Wars. Anyways, um we carry around our coffee machine. So we do. People carry around their dog in a little bag. That's weird. But we actually, we, we load up our espresso machine from home. This is a true story. When we go on vacation, and we talk about it almost all the time, should we bring our, it's a legit like whole espresso machine because we have a problem. So I'm just confessing. So we took it to camp. We brought a bunch of coffee. And then every day, we had coffee. What was nice is the coffee was actually pretty good at camp, but ours was even better because we brought it from home. And you got to take care of yourself. You know what I mean? Self-care. You got to make sure you have what you need to do what you need to do in life. And because we are more than conquerors in Christ, I know that to get to that level, I got to have my espresso in the morning. Come on. So that was fun. We had a great time at camp. I want to just really quickly just call out everybody, all of our youth leaders, Pastor Kyle and Kayla, and all of the wonderful youth leaders that served our students at camp. Can we just give them a, a, a hand today? Awesome. Thank you, guys. They were really serving, and I was teasing them, like, hey, you ready for bed? And Kayla's like, we still have a bunch of stuff to do. And I'm like, I know. <clears throat> but anyways, uh, uh, we just have an incredible team of people that are serving our students. And uh, you know, how many of you know that the students, our, our teenagers, our, our junior hires, our middle schoolers and high schoolers are not the future of our church? They are the church of today. You didn't hear me. They're not the future of our church. The children's ministry is not the future of our church. It is the church today. Come on. Because, you know, the devil does not go, oh, well, when you're 18, I'll go ahead and turn on my temptations. <laughs> when you're 18, I'll go ahead and turn on the uh, firepower against you. But I've, I want to play fair because you're underdeveloped. You're, you're immature. And so I'm not going to try to cause your, your, your life harm. No, come on. When you are in the church, when you're part of the people of God, you're, you're in the game and you are fully uh, a member, come on, you're fully participating with Christ and what he wants to do. You're fully able to connect with God. You know, my, my, my daughter, Evie, is uh, seven years old. She has a relationship with God. She prays, she talks to God. You know what I mean? There's not a time where, where all of a sudden, now, now you're in the game. Come on, you with me? And so it's important that we have a focus. That's why we care so much about kids and youth and teens. Yeah, they're the future of our church, but they're the, they're the now of our church as well, just like you and I, right? Awesome. So keep drinking that coffee. So we had a great time at camp, uh, just powerful times in the presence of God. If you ever get a chance to come up to camp, um, ask for permission first so we don't think, who's this person, you know, just showing up here trying to eat the chili cheese Fritos. But, uh, but come on up and, and see the, the, the teenagers worshiping God. It's pretty amazing, and it's very high energy and awesome. And there was last, the last night of camp, everybody was jumping and dancing, and I was faking it. I'm like, I'm too fat to jump, but I'm just going to sort of hop, you know, back and forth. And uh, you guys didn't laugh because I think you thought I was telling the truth. I, I'm really... <laughs> um, but anyways, 
Uh, really amazing just to see God moving in the young people. So incredible. And just those encounters with God. Everybody needs an encounter with God. And maybe you're too old to go to youth camp, but you can come to church on Sunday and have an encounter with God. And that's actually what I want to talk about today is the power of us, <clears throat> the power of us, the power of the church and what the church is and why it matters to be at church on Sunday. You know, we're going to talk about church attendance and not, not because I, I'm like nervous or insecure about how many people come to church on Sunday, though maybe I am, but actually that's not the point at all. The point is this, there's something about being in the place that God has selected and chosen for us to be in, to connect and to meet with him and to connect with one another. There's something about the church. You know, I, I still, I'm a, I'm a young guy. I tease about being old, but I'm actually a pretty young guy, but I have an old soul and I grew up in the church. And to me, you know, there, there's something beautiful about the church. And I don't think the church is an institution of the past. I think the church is an institution for today. I don't think the church is something outdated, outmoded, irrelevant, and being relegated to the back shelves, the back rooms of history. I think the church is just now taking center stage, the people of God to accomplish the mission of God, the purpose of God on this planet. You know, many times when it comes to church, we get a mistaken idea. We get kind of a, of a sourdough that comes in and leavens our loaf. Like we get something that comes in and begins to shape our thinking. We can get bored or distracted about the what or the why of church. And we've, we've turned Christianity into a very individualistic thing. But the reality is salvation and coming to find Jesus and giving your life to Jesus is not so much about what you're just saved from, what you're saved out of. It's about what you're saved for and what you're saved into. Come on, say preach, pastor. Thank you. I need some participation because <clears throat> I need more coffee. So you got to help me out here. It's not so much about what you're saved from. Yeah, we were all saved out of addiction. We're all saved out of bondage. We're all saved out of our own weakness and insecurity and failures and sin. And thank Jesus, come on, for his grace. I'm going through puberty. It's amazing. <laughs> but what are we saved for? What are we saved into? There's no such thing as a, as a Christian who operates all by themselves. It's not this individualistic thing. We're saved into the church. We're saved into the community of Christ. And so over the next couple of weeks, as we go through this series and we talk about us, talk about the beauty of us, come on, tell somebody they're beautiful. You're beautiful. We talk about the, the community of us, the power of us, the purpose of us. We're going to talk about what the church is. And my, my mission, uh, should you choose to accept it, is I want you to fall in love with the church, not just Joy Church, but the church of Jesus. Come on, I want you to fall in love with what it means to be a Christian connected in church. The church is Jesus' crew. Come on, it's his tribe. It's his cadre. We can make up all kinds of words, right? It's his cell group. It's his group. The church is Jesus' people. We just got done. That was our youth camp thing. Uh, thing. <laughs> thing. It was a thing. It was a theme. We are Jesus' people. This is the tribe of Jesus, his family. In the scripture, we're called the ecclesia. In Greek, it means the the called out ones, the people that have been brought out of something, but into something new. You weren't just saved out of your sin. And now you have this individual relationship with God. You were saved into the church, into the people of God. Now church gets a bad rap and people have all these kind of misconceptions and uh, predispositions and thoughts about the church. And I hope to, to kind of shape, shake those up a little bit because the church is nothing other than the people of God called out of darkness, brought together with now a new mission, a new purpose, a new identity. So what I want to talk about today is this idea of, of you had to be there. You, you ever been, you ever walked up to a group of friends and they're laughing and they're talking and, and, and they're, they're cutting up about something and you're like, hey, hey, what's going on? Hey, what happened? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I mean, 
it was, you had to be there. You ever have that experience? Any Office fans in the house? You know the famous line right there? I love inside jokes. Sometime, someday I hope to be a part of one, you know? Isn't that the worst feeling when you come up to a group of your friends like, oh yeah, it was so funny, it was hilarious. Oh, what happened? Oh, you had to be there. You had to be there. Nobody likes that, right? You're like, just tell me, make me, make me feel what you felt. I want to understand. You know, it was like, uh, I hate country music, I'm going to be honest with you, um, because I'm a Christian. But anyways, um, no, it's actually, it has nothing to do with religion. It's the fact that I like good music. But anyways, many of you went to, there was a, a guy, I think his name was Barth Brooks. I mean, what was the guy's name? Oh, Garth Brooks. That's right. <laughs> How many of you were at Garth Brooks? Okay, I saw the videos. Y'all look crazy. People are like, I got all kinds of friends in lowly places where the whiskey flows. And is that right? Is that the song? Barth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Anyways, Garth Brooks, right? And I'm just teasing. I, you know, Garth, he did his thing. But how many of you were at that, that, that show? A lot of you, right? At Autzen Stadium. And how many of you were like, that was amazing? Okay, tell me. Tell me how. Like, make me feel what you felt. You can't, right? Because that was an experience that you shared with, with 50,000 other people that were half drunk. You know what I mean? Listening to terrible music. That's why country music's always singing about alcohol, because you have to be a little bit buzzed to actually like the music. You can go to a Coldplay concert totally sober, because it's actually good music. But anyways. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Okay. You had to be there, right? And so for many of you that really love that terrible music, anyways, it was an experience that you shared. And I can't understand it because I wasn't there. So I can say, well, tell me what you like. Tell me what was cool. You're like, well, the music was good. The lights were great. But all I can have is a, is a secondary experience because you had to be there, right? You had to be there. And some of you, that's your worst nightmare, this thing called FOMO, fear of missing out. How many of you are like, the party, wherever the party's at, you want to be there, wherever the event is at. Some of you don't even care about Garth Brooks, but a lot of people went, so you're like, I'm there, I'm going to go. And that's cool, that's fine, that's great. And some people are really like this, they have this serious FOMO. So the thought of missing out on the party or like what's going on just drives them crazy. My little brother Johnny's like this. If you know Johnny, Johnny's basically, he's like me but he's smarter, more handsome, and more spiritual. So he's an improved addition in every way, except for the fact that I am funnier. He doesn't have a very good sense of humor. He's a little uptight. We're working on him. But anyways, Johnny, it's like a superhuman, but Johnny has this flaw. He, he has this serious FOMO, and he just always, since he was a little kid, he just can't handle missing out on the party. It's like he, he's addicted to the party. He has to be where the action's at. You know what I mean? And so one day, this is before he could drive. Bethany and I were living in Medford. We were already married, and we had our own house, and uh, we, we, we invited Johnny to come over to our house. Hey, we're going to hang out. Johnny probably watch some movies. You know, Bethany's going to make something delicious and we'll eat it. And, you know, it's just basically everything life's all about right there. You know what I mean? To me, laying on a couch and eating delicious food is where it's at. That's where I'm at. You know, football's on even better. But anyways, um, Johnny's like, yeah, I'll come over. So he comes over. Well, then he gets a little text or call or something from a friend who's like, Johnny, we'll pick you up. We got this other thing going on. And so Johnny in this, minute, in this moment is pulled because now he's with us. And so I think he feels guilt. Like I've committed to this event, but it's really, well, I mean, on a scale of one to 10, this is like a six. And so I see his eyes dancing. It's like Ernest from those movies, you know, Ernest P. Worrell. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he gets this kind of look. And so then Johnny's like, okay, he's going to go to this party. He's like asking us for permission. We're like, that's fine, go. So Johnny gets in the car with these people. He, he takes off. 
Then in the meantime, my parents or somebody calls us and they're like, hey, you guys want to want to go get some ice cream or go see a movie? So we end up having this amazing time. And in the meantime, Johnny, who's thinking he's leaving the six out of 10 to go to an eight out of 10 party, he ends up going with his friend, whatever they're going to do doesn't happen. And then they drop him off at home. And now the people that were at his house, my parents and the rest of my siblings are now with us and we're having an amazing party. I don't know what we were doing, but it was great. We were probably just eating and sitting somewhere eating, but um, that's how Italians have fun. They're like, what'd you do last week? I just ate. It was an incredible week. Best week of my life. Hashtag living the dream. Anyways, Johnny, we, get, we, we see him later and he's all bummed out because he chased the dragon. Like he chased the, he chased the party, but he totally missed out. Totally missed out. And how many of us are like that when it comes to church? So we get into the church, we're like, man, this is awesome. I gave my life to Jesus and like with this worship thing. And like, it was awesome. We did this whole series, like summer blockbusters, woo, movies. But then, then, then this week, there's no popcorn. Where's the popcorn? Well, we don't do popcorn all year. Like sometimes we just come to like, you know, worship God and hear a message. Well, I mean, what about the movie? Where's the explosions? There are, I mean... Boom, you know, <laughs> like it, it's not always like that here. You know, sometimes you actually kind of have to like serve other people, you know, sometimes you have to give in the offering, you know, to make sure we can actually continue to function as a church. Sometimes you have to actually go to group and like talk to people you wouldn't maybe necessarily want to all the time because it's kind of like a real family, you know. And so the fun sort of moves on or whatever felt like really exciting in that moment. And so you think, well, that, you know, now, oh, God's calling me to a new church. Well, let me just give you a newsflash. There are better churches than joy, worse churches than joy. But at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of people trying to follow Jesus. I know the pastors around town, there are much better pastors than me. There are much worse ones. And they're all awesome. If God's calling you to go somewhere, that's, that's great. If that's where you're planted. But you know what you're going to find out is when you chase the, the high, like maybe you've left some other church and you think joy is it. This is God's church. This is it. No, trust me. I will let you down. This church will disappoint you. I guarantee it. Because it's not always about following, following that, that, that high, right? Chasing that thing. You got to get planted. You got to get plugged in. But see, when you are plugged in, when you're planted, when you're a part of the church, you get to be around where God is going to show up and do some amazing stuff. And there's some moments in life where nothing beats just being there, being in the experience, keeping yourself where it's at. Last year, I had the opportunity to go to the Oregon-Stanford uh, game, and I got to sit in a box seat, which was really cool. Felt like a total rich hoity-toity up there laughing. <laughs> you people down there. <laughs> and that'll be me now at the games, like looking up at those people like, I wish I was up there. Uh, but I got to go to the Oregon-Stanford game, and we didn't win, unfortunately. But how amazing was it? I mean, I can't explain it to you unless you were there, that the roar the power, the, 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 the amazing energy coming from the stadium. There's nothing like being there. Now, I love to watch the Oregon Ducks on TV. Come on, I have a big TV, 65-inch TV. It's like two feet from our couch. I mean, it's like right there. Uh, it's amazing, you know, have great food. I love that, but there's something about being in the stadium. There's something about being there that you can't get through the TV screen. Here's, here's what's going on right now in our cultures. We live in a culture of spectators. You see, we've got all this technology that allows us to basically view into all kinds of events all over the place, including church. 
And so now we have the Netflix of church. You can go on YouTube. You can find an amazing preacher here. You can find amazing worship there. You can find whatever you need you know, to consume content, religious content. And it's not bad. I love to listen to great preachers and, and, and experience great worship. And I love YouTube. But let me just tell you right now, when Jesus was bringing the church together, he wasn't putting together a church of people that would sit all by themselves watching a screen consuming religious content. Because it's missing out. It's missing out. You had to be there. Like there's something about getting around other people that are as messed up as you and pursuing Jesus together, serving one another, giving, building something together. It's like having a marriage that was exclusively via text. It's not the same thing as having a real husband and a wife together in the same home, raising some kids. It gets messy sometimes. Yeah, but it's the real deal. It's the real McCoy. And so somebody say, well, I'm married. Well, when, where's your wife? Well, she's actually in this other country. We just kind of chat every once in a while. You know, I'm a level seven magic user. She's an elf of the third degree. And so we just chat via, you know, World of Warcraft and we have this marriage. Like, that's not a marriage. You have to be there. You have to be there present physically. Come on, somebody. And so when it comes to the church, similarly, there's a big difference between being there and experiencing firsthand what God is doing and hearing about it later I want, I want to get you addicted. I want to get you just consumed with being here on Sunday. And let me just say this in case you think, well, he's just trying to build up attendance at church so he can say, we are this many people. No, I don't care about that. Even if you go to another church, I want you there every week, whenever the doors are open. Why? Because it shows that you're hungry for where God is and what he's doing right now. You see, my brother Johnny was always chasing the party, right? And sometimes he missed out. But when you chase the party at God's house, you never miss out. Because God has said, hey, I'm going to show up. When you guys come together, I'm going to be there. When you come together, that's what I want to work through. This is the team that I want to work through. This is the group that I want to work through. And so there's something about coming together. It's why it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Therefore, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And listen to this. He says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Now that's kind of a, a loaded phrase because some people is you people and me people. How many of you are a some people? Sometimes we all some people, right? This is confusing grammar, but it's truth. <laughs> some people is me. Some people is you. Some people neglect our meeting together. Why? Because it's not the same as it was when it felt this way. The party feels like, well, if I, yeah, I could go to church every Sunday, but I could play golf this week and then I'll go next week. No, Whoever wrote Hebrews, we don't actually know. It could have been the Apostle Paul. Some people think it was Aquila or Priscilla. We don't know. But whoever wrote the book of Hebrews is saying, look, don't neglect church. Don't neglect the assembly. Don't neglect coming together. Don't, don't, don't miss out on us, as some people do. But encourage one another. Encourage one another. Did you know your presence matters because you are an encouragement to the person next to you and vice versa? Without you, there's not an us. You go, well, yeah, but there's a lot of other people at this church. But every one of us has been given a gift. We believe you were made on purpose and for a purpose. We believe that there's always a next step with Jesus. We believe that, that everybody has a gift. Everybody has a calling. And all of us together are the church. And, and we're all playing a part. Even if you don't know what your part is, your presence matters. Like you encourage someone, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Don't neglect the meeting. Don't skip out. Don't miss out on church. And listen, you guys, we live in a, again, a culture of spectators and entertainment is to be had at every level. You know, I think it feels like in the United States of America right now that, that entertainment has become uh, equivocal with a human right. 
It's like we all feel really like owed that something would be entertaining to us or would, would actually, you know, tantalize our five senses at some level <clears throat> and even in church. But actually what happens is we miss out on the goodness that comes from a commitment to a community based on mission and purpose and all of this kind of a thing. See, we live in a culture of spectators, but God's kingdom is for participants, for participants. And those two things don't coexist. You can't follow Jesus all by yourself and you can't follow Jesus and be not committed to his church. And when I say his church, yeah, I mean the abstract spiritual or big C church, the church universal, everybody that calls Jesus Lord and Savior. That is the church, absolutely. But then there's an expression that God calls us to be connected to, which is the local church. You see, it's easy to love the big church because I don't know the big church. It's hard to love y'all because I know you. And it's hard for you to love me because you know me. You're like, yeah, Jake, but you have these flaws. Absolutely. Let's all play this game together, right? Like we all see where we, we're messed up. You, you work alongside somebody in the nursery and you see they're kind of grumpy with the kids. And all of a sudden you realize like that person struggles with that. And you're, oh, you know, you don't get that when it's just, oh, I'm just enjoying the body of Christ, the whole body. I'm on YouTube and I watch these amazing sermons. You're not really getting it. You have an artificial representation of the body of Christ. The real body of Christ gets B.O. The real body of Christ stanks sometimes. And you're like, I don't understand the theology of what you just said. You'll get it someday. The reality is the real body of Christ, the people of God coming together are a bunch of flawed people that God is working on and doing something amazing through. But there's something special and unique about the local church, the expression of the big church, but here where we are in our neighborhood. Come on. There's an old slogan that said, <clears throat> think globally, but act locally. And that's borrowed directly from the playbook of the New Testament because that's exactly what God says. Think globally. God has this grand purpose in history around the world to save and redeem and restore and bring creation back in order. Yes, it's a global purpose, but God wants us to think locally, not to get so big, heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. And so what we're to do is we're to take that global mission and purpose and we're to live it out in the everyday, sometimes boring, sometimes I wish I was somewhere else manifestation of what we call the local church. And one of the very basic levels of following Jesus and understanding what it means to be a Christian is to stay connected and stay faithful and just go to church. If you're wondering like, what's something I can do as a follower of Jesus to really grow in my relationship with God? Go to church. Well, I mean, like you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I've heard that. I saw somebody said that one time on Twitter, so it must be true. I read it on Reddit. Okay, well, yeah, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but you do have to go to church to be a Christian because going to church is a representation of something deeper and spiritual that's actually going on beneath the surface that shows that you actually belong to the family. Come on, somebody. Don't get your theology from people on Reddit. Come on. Don't get your theology from people, well, this person on Facebook. What's their life look like? Do you want to be that person? If you do, then, then take their advice. But if not, don't. You see, what I, what I realized kind of at a young age was the people that I wanted to be like were excellent, were, were prophetic, were dialed in in God. They knew who they were in God. They weren't insecure. They didn't get pushed by every wind of doctrine. They didn't get pushed aside by every you know, whim of culture and society. They didn't change their beliefs based on the fact that somebody that got elected was different than them. They didn't, they didn't bend and sway in the wind of, of change. They were, they were stalwart. And, 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 and those kind of people, when I looked at their life, I realized, oh, they share this common trait. They're committed to the house of God. They're committed to being at church because they, they recognize and know their tribe. 
And they don't pick and choose and switch and go around. It's like, no, this is my place. This is where I'm going to plant my flag. This is where I'm at. God's kingdom is for people that are plugged in. It's for people that are participants getting into the nitty gritty. Now, let me just tell you about Joy Church. So Joy Church is an awesome church and we want everybody to attend. Come on, we wanna reach everybody in our community. We wanna see every one of the 300,000 odd people that maybe the ones that aren't connected to an awesome life-giving church, we want them to find Jesus. We want them to be a part of Joy Church. If we had to have church in Autzen Stadium, so be it. Come on. If you're thinking like, well, you know, this church is getting too big and, and you know, you know, this church is too big and I, I just prefer a small church where everybody knows each other, this isn't your church because our church exists to reach this city, okay? Is that clear enough? So our church exists to reach the city. We want everybody to attend, absolutely. And yes, we want to have relationships. That's why we have small groups. So it is a small church for everyone where we all have friends and connection and all that. But we want everybody to attend. But that's not where it stops. Yes, we want everyone to attend, but we don't just want everyone to attend and not take another step. We believe here at Joy Church that there's always a next step with Jesus. Meaning if you're following Jesus, maybe the very first step for you is to attend church and come on a Sunday, but then very quickly we're believing that God is gonna call you into service, into giving, into relationship. Come on, that being a Christian is about participation, not observation. And man, I'm gonna preach the fire off you next week, I guarantee it. You're gonna be, mm, I wanna preach it right now, but I'm not going to, so you better be here next week because I got a sick message for you. It's called Cannibals, Crowds, and the Cross. You're gonna love it, it's awesome. They don't coexist. Spectation and participation don't coexist. This isn't an observational relationship with Christ. It's a, it's a get your hands dirty, get inside. You had to be there kind of a thing. It says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, <clears throat> we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. What's he saying here? We participated. We, we were in. We, we were there. We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He's talking about Jesus. He is the word of life, the one whose life itself was revealed to us. We've seen him, and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so you may have fellowship with us. What does fellowship mean? It means connection, relationship, integration. Our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Every New Testament early Christian, their job, their goal was to tell other people about Jesus and say, hey, we participated with him. We were there. We were connected. You had to be there. You couldn't be there, but now you can be there. Come on. How do we get around Jesus? How do we, how do we move from the walking up to the crowd of people laughing about something? Go, well, what, what happened? They go, well, you had to be there. And what's awesome about the church is it doesn't have to stay that way. You don't have to stay on the outside. By beginning to participate and jumping in, you don't, you don't, you're not on the outside looking in. You're now on the inside working to help the outside. Come on. You don't have to be in that moment of, well, you had to be there. Now you do get to be there. That's what John is saying. Look, we were there. We saw him. We touched him. We tasted. Come on. And now you can, by sharing in fellowship with us, by being a part of the church, you can experience what we experienced. And this is why we have an unbroken chain for 2,000 years of men and women that have literally given their lives and given their everything and started churches and been martyred and given their life and faith because what they've said is, look, we got a hand on the person right here and the chain goes all the way back to Jesus and those that experienced his life and his power and his revelation in that time, it's been passed down in an unbroken chain all the way to this moment through all kinds of hardship and history and dictators and tyrants and ideologies and philosophies and yet it still remains just as good and true and authentic today as it ever was was. And that's what the church is. Come on. We exist as a testament. We exist as a, as a, as a proclamation of the fact that Jesus showed up 
and did something amazing here on this planet. But you have to be a part. You see, if you, if you remove yourself from the community, from the fellowship, you're taking yourself out of that unbroken line. You're taking yourself out of that chain of remembrance. You're taking yourself out of that chain of participation. The kingdom of God is for participators, not spectators. Maybe you're here today and you're like, well, I'm observing from the outside because I don't believe in Jesus yet. That's awesome. You are so welcome. But listen, until you really get on the inside, until you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you won't understand. You won't get it because you had to be there. You got to taste it. You got to see it. I was talking to the Carlins and they said, hey, we tried out that Italian restaurant that you told us about last week, Placido's. You guys remember that? Or two weeks ago? I was talking about a time they, they tried it. Well, now they're in. Now we are all, right, Brian? We share, like we know, right? We, we're on the inside. Now we're laughing and you're walking up and we're like, you had to be there because you haven't had the smoked chicken ravioli with the pesto cream sauce. You know what I mean? Like you don't know yet until you actually participate. There's something about leaning in, getting involved. And guys, I want you to connect. Maybe you're a Christian and you're sort of like, well, the church, like I just go to church when it feels right. No, like the church is your connection. Being here, being a part, you've got to be there. God is orchestrating these momentous moments. You have to show up for them. One of the things that I've heard it said before is that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. God is a gentleman. He'll never force his way into your life. He'll never force his way into your heart. And so there's something about faith that you say, I'm open to you, Lord. I want to receive what you have for me. And there's another thing, a deeper thing about expectation, what you actually expect God to do. That's where faith really comes into play. Like when I expect you to move. And there's so many Christians that go to church on Sundays and they're just basically like, well, if something happens, it happens. But that's not participating. We should come to church and say, I am the church. I am causing the move of God. I am expecting and believing and leaning in and believing that when I come, people are gonna have their lives transformed, that when I'm here, I'm gonna be an encouragement, that when I'm participating, when I'm there in the atmosphere, that I'm a partaker of the life and the fellowship of Jesus. And I'm like at the table and I get all the meal, like, come on. And then in those moments, God really shows up. So let me give you three things to walk away with today, to take and to put into action, some application steps. Number one, we need to understand the value and the uniqueness of the church. The church is not the Red Cross. Uh, the church is not the Boys and Girls Club. The church is not uh, you know, a political alliance. The church is not a social club. The church is the ecclesia, the called out ones. We're the community of Christ. We're not just a social uh, do-gooder kind of network with a cross on the door. No, the church is a group of people that share a common DNA and purpose out of every family, tribe, whatever color, whatever gender, whatever uh, orientation that you come from. All of us come broken to the Savior and there is no tiered system at the foot of the cross. We all come, but we all have to surrender our lives to the Lordship of Jesus. Are you with me? And the church is the only organization like that. It's something that literally you're saved into, you're brought into. You don't just elect to join. You, you, you choose Jesus, but he's been choosing you. Come on, there's some power here. It's different. We need to begin to understand. And I'm gonna teach you this over the next couple of weeks. What is the value? What is the uniqueness of this thing called church? You see, you go, well, I could go a lot of places on Sunday, on Sunday morning when we come together as a church community. Yeah, you could go to restaurants, you could golf, you could watch Netflix, you could do a lot of things, but none of those things are this. And even watching it on a screen is not this. This is this. This is something unique. Come on. This is something different. This is something special. The church means more than just a gathering of people that think the same stuff. It's not that. There's more to it. Number two, 
We need to make God's house, make the church our priority. Our priority. You can't have more than one priority. Priorities is a meaningless word because priority means that which is first. What is first in your life? One of the things that I really believe is my mission to proclaim is that for every follower of Jesus that I have the opportunity to be a pastor to and a shepherd and a guide to help coach, right, to help mentor you, is that you would never think ever that you can be a Christian and not put God first in your life. It does not exist. God must come first in our time. God must come first in our money. God must come first in our relationship. Anything else is not the Christian faith. It's some sort of a, a hybridization that it's, it's less powerful, not, not the same. God must come first. But when we put God first, he makes everything right and alignment in our lives. And so we need to put his house first. One of the things that the scripture says, it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where do you invest? That's where your heart follows. So my wife and I have said, we want our children and our household, our family. We want our heart to be in the house of God. Therefore, that's where our treasure goes. I want to invite you, if you have not experienced the joy of being a giver, of being a, a participant in the financial uh, blessing that God gives us by being a giver, being able to give into his house and his purposes, my wife and I, we are not like, we don't like talk to you about giving. We participate, not because we're pastors, because we're followers of Christ and this is our family. So our treasure gets invested in this house. Our time gets invested in this house. Well, yeah, well, you work for the church. You're the pastor. Absolutely. But I invest my own time outside of work into the house of God because I want my children to see that's where our heart is. Come on. Our treasure goes there. So we put God's house first. It's our priority, our time, our money, and our passion. And our passion. Where is your passion? I love Oregon Ducks football. But let me tell you, my passion is not in football. My passion is in the house of God. My passion is for us. My passion is for Christ church. Because Oregon Ducks football, we're going to win a national championship. Amen? Yes and amen? But that's not going to change the world. What will change the world is when we, as the church, rise up and begin to make a difference and an impact in the world. Make God's house your priority. And then number three, commit yourself to community. One of the things we have here at Joy Church is what we call joy groups. And joy groups are not just kind of like a cute, fancy way, you know, where really every church is supposed to have small groups. No, that's not why we do it. It's not something we added in because it's what churches have to do. We believe that relationship is discipleship. When I am in relationship with other Christians and with people that don't know Christ yet, and I'm committed to that community, that I'm going to change and I'm going I'm 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 to be, there's a difference that's going to be made in me and I'm going to make a difference, Okay. And so we're committed to community, not just as lip service, but actually committed to community. So if you're not in a joy group, I don't even know if we have any going on right now in the summer, but whenever they start, be the first one in line to sign up and be a part because a group is where you can take your mask off, where you can get real, where you can actually find freedom in God, where you can actually build a relationship and begin to make a difference. That's a place that we really live out this whole church thing. So we're going to understand the value and uniqueness of the church. We're going to make the church. Make God's house our priority. Not down the list. No. Number one. Last thing I'm going to say on this number two, and I'll recap three, but on this number two, just want to speak this. There's some men here today, and you have let your wife kind of lead the charge. And so she says, honey, let's go to church. Let's go. Let's do this. And your children need to see you, dad. Your children need to see you also step up as a spiritual leader and say, you know what? We're going to be at church on Sunday. Yeah, I know there's NFL football. You guys know I love the Cleveland Browns for whatever reason. Or the Dallas Cowboys for whatever reason. But listen, you're not going to see your dad love football more than you're, that I'm going to love God's house. And so guys, come on, for us, ladies, same thing. Maybe 
Maybe your husband's been the one that's been leading the charge. You need to step up. You need to step up and show your children this is our priority. This is what we do. When it comes Sunday, we go to church. And you go, I don't understand. What's the power of being at church every Sunday? Pastor Kyle said something brilliant last week. He said, reading your Bible every day is where the life changes at. Not today, not tomorrow, not the next day. It's the consistency that creates the result. Being a church person, not a church curmudgeon, but a church person, somebody who's invested passion, time, money, all in, there every week, whenever the doors are open, you're desperate to be with God's people in God's house. You're gonna change your life. It's gonna change your family's life. Number three, commit yourself to community. Joy group, a place to remove your mask, be a part, don't isolate yourself. Amen? You had to be there. Today, there's people that come every week to church that don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. But this is your moment right now to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And if that's you, let's all bow our heads, close our eyes. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can see? Pastor Jake, I want to be like a part of the family. I want to know Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a Christian. Not fake, not religious, not judgmental. I want to be a real Christian. I want to know Jesus. I want him to know me. And I want to be a part. Would you just raise your hand where I can see? Thank you. Thank you. I want to put my faith in Jesus today. Awesome, awesome. Let's pray. Let's all pray this prayer together. Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you and you alone. I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be reconciled with you. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen.